Hey, good morning everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church this morning. My name is Grant. I am Leslie. We're here to get the service started for you this morning. We are. If this is your first time here, a special welcome to you. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today. Drop us a comment in the Facebook or YouTube chat or send us an email at hello at cedarvalley.ca. We would love to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways for all of you to stay informed about some of the stuff coming up, uh, different updates towards what our services might look like, events happening is follow us on Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, you can head over to our website for a weekly email newsletter. And uh, we just kind of compile all of our stuff once a week in that, but uh, really good stuff like prayer updates, devotionals, uh, partner ministries that we work with. Uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff. And we're trying to reach out into the community and also just get everyone connected into the local stuff happening around here. Exactly. And if you've been impacted by any of these services, we would love if you'd share that. We want um, what we're doing here to reach as far as possible, and we would love it if your friends and family would also be able to um, just hear what we're doing and hear about Jesus and the love that he's got for all of us. So yeah, hit easy. that share button. Hit that share it button. It is, very easy. Yeah, uh, We want all of you to know how appreciative we are of your ongoing support yes. for the work and ministry of Cedar Valley Church. Um, and it's it helps us continue connecting, and not just this Sunday stream, but a lot of great stuff. I mean, a few weeks ago, we had this Mother's Day drive-through. Mm -hmm. We were able to just bless the amazing women of our community. Uh, we've also been able to do a lot of cool stuff like uh, marriage counseling that happens often with Pastor Doug and just helping people work through, especially this past season has been yeah. so hard for uh, some relationships that were already struggling a bit and uh, ways that we can just be a resource to our community. God works through us and that happens um, because of you, because yep. of your ongoing support. It's very true. And we are just so excited about that. We're so thankful. We're so thankful for the ways that you've decided and, and chosen to serve and give to us and to what God's doing here. And as a church, we really believe that whatever gifts we're able to offer to God, He uses them exponentially. Mm -hmm. um, so even if we're just able to offer small things, God does big things through that. Yeah, time, money, yeah. service, uh, our gifts, our talents. Yep. Yeah, and, and really, so if you have come this morning prepared to give uh, financially, we do have ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, just to the work and ministry of Cedar Valley Church, you can do that cedarvalley.ca slash give. And uh, just to make sure that it's really clear too, this isn't any sort of expectation. There's no fee right. to be part of this community, to join church. This is the way that we worship God through our finances. Uh, regular members and attenders are, uh, yeah, they've experienced that discipline of mm -hmm. how God's worked in their life. And there's amazing testimonies out there for that. Totally. Um, we do have an update for you mm -hmm. um, regarding Camp Squia. So we promised we would keep you informed. And unfortunately, we will not be going to Camp Squia this spring or summer um, just because of the extended travel restrictions. And then in summer, um, Camp Squia is always going to be kind of working towards getting their summer programs up and running. So unfortunately, we won't be there. Um, but yeah, they're gearing up uh, yeah. for their own summer ministries. And, and actually, we want to pray for them to make sure mm -hmm. that like that the travel restrictions are ended so that they can do all of their summer Very ministry true. for people out here in the valley in the lower mainland. But we have some really good news, which is really fun. If you haven't heard, next Sunday we will be doing an in-person service Yay! here, June 6th. We're going to be hosting two in-person services, uh, one, one at 9 o'clock, one at 11 o'clock, and we will have our online service here just like this, Facebook, YouTube, on our website at 10 o'clock. Uh, there's limited space. We still have a, a number, uh, some restrictions to work with, so yep. it's not uh, full open the floodgates, but we have limited space. We are inviting you to come. You can sign up for that. You can get your spot. Uh, that's cedarvalley.ca. It'll be right on the homepage there. We'll also throw that into the newsletter. Yeah. Yeah, we are so excited to welcome you back. It'll be really great. 
Um, so for this morning, we are going to get the service started here shortly. Um, you're going to be led in a time of worship and singing, so you can join however you feel comfortable. Um, there'll be lyrics on the screen, and so we would love it if you'd join us in worship there. And after that, we have a special lesson just for the kids with Amanda. Mm -hmm. And then we have a, we've got Pastor Doug coming in, and he's going to do chapter 18 of the Gospel of John with us. Yeah, and we're wrapping that up with a bit of a guided discussion time. And it's, yeah, it's just a time that we're hoping you can engage in the content from the morning, apply to your lives the, this coming week immediately, chat through it with your friends, family, your small group. Yeah, and now because of the new updates that BC has put out, um, you're actually able to have five people in your house. Yeah, if you're comfortable with it, yeah. Totally, or if you're not comfortable with inside, you can still do outside up to yeah. 10 people. 10, yeah. Yeah, so we've got lots of ways, or you've got lots of ways to connect with people now um, as we go through this discussion time in our service. Yeah, and I think there are a few deck churches that yeah. they've been calling themselves really fun, just meeting out on their patio or on their back deck throwing a TV out there. Yeah. It's super cool. That's a fun it way is. to engage in this, right? Like we're kind of on one side of a camera or yeah. a screen, but you can do this communally. Uh, and if you aren't able to do that, just hit up the chats on Facebook or YouTube and we try to get some lively action there. More of it's on Facebook, but yeah. yeah. But well, join us either way. Absolutely. Before we get started into the service, uh, we're just on the brink of getting into June, which feels like it's just on the brink of getting into summer. Yeah. But June's kind of like this transition month, especially if you're in school, yeah. uh, especially if you're in high school. It's this like finishing Yeah, that month. final push. <laughs> and June in general kind of has a bit of a finishing feel to it, right? Like there's a lot of times where jobs have a bit of a seasonal changeover. Summer becomes kind of vacation mode for a lot of different stuff. Sometimes actually you might be finishing your whatever uh, certain seasonal work and you're just going into a bit of a summer job too. So it's, yep. I'm going to call it like a finishing month. Yeah. And you know what, this might be a good time just before we get into that to focus on ways to finish really well. Yeah, and even do that prayerfully, do that through wisdom. But like, what are even some, what are your go-to ways of how you can finish well? What's some wisdom you can share with us? I think a big one is really staying <laughs> relational. Um, kind of understanding and reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Um, so I know especially for some teachers, it's challenging to kind of finish that year well, but to really remind yourself like, oh, who am I doing this for? Or who am I doing this with? Um, is, a, is a helpful way to finish well, I think. Yeah, people focus because yeah. it can be so easy to just get the tasks yeah. finally done. Cross off those right things there. on your list. Yeah. Kind of while forgetting why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. I've also heard, you know, a really good time to just take advantage of the daylight. We have extra Ooh, daylight yes. hours, get outside, it's sunnier, it's warmer. Usually it's been rainy the last couple of days <laughs> here, but yeah, make use of that, right? So get some fresh air, eat well. Eating well is a great one. That's definitely <laughs> an important part of fueling your body. Yeah. Junk goes in, junk comes out. <laughs> yeah. Another one really <clears throat> is to take, the, take a look at the goals you maybe set at the beginning of the year. Mm. Um, and kind of remind yourself like, oh, okay, we've got this last little chunk of time to really get those in. And sometimes that's very motivating too. Awesome. Those are some yeah. really good tips. Thanks. Yeah. Well, if you know somebody who is finishing up something really good, think about how you can pray for them. Think about how you can reach out for them. Or maybe it's just yourself and you're finishing up, whether it's school, you're graduating or you're moving into a new job or you're just literally moving. That happens yeah. through the summer too. For sure. Uh, share some of those thoughts. Share some of those prayers. Hit over the comment stream of Facebook or YouTube. Uh, if you've got some great wisdoms to add to that, how to finish well, or if you've got some prayers to throw up there, uh, take the minute and a half here to do that. And yeah. other than that, we're in for a great morning. Thanks, Cedar Valley.
Hi kids, it's Amanda here. I'm here to teach you a really, really powerful kids lesson. So I hope you're ready. You guys know that we've been going through the book of John this last little while, and we are now at John chapter 18. Now the last few chapters, Jesus and his disciples have all just been sitting in a room, the upper room, while Jesus was teaching them. But now things are changing. This is starting to um, begin the action where Jesus came to do what he was gonna do. So they were in the upper room and Jesus said, okay, let's go. So they left the city and they crossed a little valley and they went into an olive grove, which is a beautiful garden, kind of like this, except it was nighttime. So Jesus and his disciples often went to this olive grove because it was peaceful. It was a place where they could rest and pray and Jesus could teach. And because they went there a lot, Judas, who is one of the disciples, knew that. Except there's something about Judas. He was one of Jesus's chosen special people that traveled around with him for three years. Judas watched Jesus do miracles, love people, teach. He spent so much time with Jesus, but you know what? He didn't really believe that Jesus was God or Jesus was the Messiah. So Judas didn't have faith in his heart. And there were some really mean people. One of them was a high priest called Caiaphas that were trying to arrest Jesus because they didn't like what he was saying. So Judas offered to tell Caiaphas where they could find Jesus so they could arrest him. And they paid Judas 30 pieces of silver to do that. They gave Judas a few guards to go with him to arrest Jesus. And the Bible says that it was a battalion of Roman soldiers and some security guards from the temple. Now, when I think of like a few security guards and some soldiers, I don't think of that many people. But do you know what a battalion is? A battalion is probably about 420 people, give or take. Some places say 600. But Here's a Roman soldier right here. He looks like a pretty intense guy. Now imagine 420 of those guys, plus some security guards from the temple. Those guys came with Judas. They were carrying blazing torches, lanterns and weapons, ready to arrest Jesus. It's pretty scary. But you know what? Jesus knew all of this was gonna happen. Not just that Judas was coming with all these soldiers to arrest him, but he knew what was coming after that. He knew that he was going to be unjustly um, put on trial. He knew that he was going to be beaten. He knew that he was going to be rejected. He knew that really special people to him were going to deny him. He knew that he was going to die. So he knew all of that even before they came. So all that group of people were coming and you know what Jesus did? He stepped forward to meet them. He said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Now that's not a nice way to ask for Jesus because Jesus was a rabbi, he was a teacher. He was the son of Joseph. They could have called him anything, but they said Jesus of Nazareth because Nazareth was a town that 
didn't have a very good reputation. People from Nazareth, Nazareth were kind of like rednecks. They were like hicks. They didn't have a good reputation. So it was kind of a degrading way to reference Jesus. They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And then Jesus said, I am. Now that doesn't sound like much, but when Jesus was saying these words, all of those soldiers fell back and landed on the ground. Why do you think they did that? That's crazy. That would have been like really strange, almost like a force field was like boom, and everyone just like fell back. Do you know why that happened? Because when Jesus said, I am, he allowed a full manifestation. That means he displayed exactly who he was. For a moment, all of those people saw God. They saw that Jesus was full of power full of authority, full of dominion. He was God, I am. Now those words, I am, do they remind you of something? Well, they remind me of something. Back in the Old Testament, the first time we hear those words, I am, do you guys see that fire there? Can you think of a burning bush? Who is God talking to from a burning bush? He was talking to Moses and Moses was going to go rescue the people um, from Egypt. And he's like, who should I say is sending me to rescue? And the burning bush said, I am. And I am is a Hebrew word for Yahweh, which is Jehovah, which means he brings to existence whatever exists. So it's almost like the most powerful name you could think of, God. So when Jesus said, I am, it was super powerful in that moment. He allowed those soldiers and his disciples to see that he was God. Other times that um, we've heard I am, actually in the book of John, about seven different times Jesus said, I am something. Can you guys remember any of those? If you look at the screen, Jesus said, I am the vine, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it's really neat how all through the book of John, Jesus said, I am, in different ways. But at this moment, when he told those soldiers, I am, he was showing that he was God. And it was an extremely powerful moment. I wonder what those soldiers were thinking. So you guys, I want you to think about Jesus and who he is and that's what the book of John is all about who is Jesus and why did he come so if you ever think about Jesus or your friends maybe ask you about Jesus remember I'm gonna hold up this sponge it's kind of a lame example but it kind of helps you understand so on one side of the sponge it's really soft and smooth and you can use it to like do your final wipe on the counter so it's nice and smooth and on the other side, it's really strong and powerful. So if you have a really burnt pan, you could use this side and scrub and it would come clean. So this is really strong and really gentle and smooth and soft. So on one side, Jesus is kind, he's loving, he's compassionate, he cares about us, he heals us. And on the other side, he's God and he's powerful and he's strong and he's here to save us. So I hope this helped you guys um, understand a little bit more about who Jesus is. Remember that he is God 
and he is powerful and he loves us and he came to save us. Have a great day. Bye. John 18. You know, it's one of those days like very few others. It contains betrayal, deceit, anger, acts of bravery, and cowardice. There's scheming, there's plotting, there's accusations, interrogations, and regret. There's even some swordplay. And yet, in the midst of all of this chaos, there is Jesus. Actually, a lot of what happens is because of Jesus. But he's the constant, the calm, in the midst of this storm. See, chapter 18, it all starts nice enough with a relaxed evening stroll to a peaceful, quiet garden. It's likely already dark when Jesus and his friends, they leave the city. They, they cross this narrow but steep Kidron Valley and they head up for the peaceful place. You know, Jesus often went to this garden. We've discovered as we read through the story of Jesus. Actually, when he was in town, that is, in Jerusalem, pretty much every evening he would head up to the hillside olive grove. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives. But tonight, as recorded in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not so much in John, he enters this garden, this quietness, in anguish. See, death is near, and he needed to pray. There's treachery, deceit, betrayal, greed, and thuggery. They're all approaching, and Jesus was expecting them. And with the cross looming in the distance, he is preparing for its arrival. In this moment, on this evening, Jesus is deeply distressed. His soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. And he falls face first to the ground and cries out to God his father. Have you been in that spot where really you feel the only option left is to call out in pain and sorrow and in grief? 
Maybe it's in a quiet place where you find solace and, and comfort. You know, even a, a number of years ago, while I was in anguish and with a troubled heart, I find that I would just drive. I would drive till I would find a, a quiet place. Often it was a trail on a, on a nearby mountainside. And as I walked in silence, I would find the presence of God there. At that time, our, our pain was, was personal, it was private. And yet, Jesus was there. And he is there because he has been there. If there's a time when you feel that who else could understand the pain? Who else can move you through? You know, that is, that is really one of the things that the church is about. And yet there's a time that maybe your soul can only be comforted, comforted by the presence of Jesus because he has been there himself. And in the midst of his prayer, he falls face first on the ground. We talked about prayer posture a little bit last week. And sometimes the only thing left to do is to fall because there is nothing left. And Jesus himself says, God, I acknowledge, Father, I know that anything is possible with you. And I would rather not go through this. I would like you to remove, to change what is about to happen. But for your will and for your glory, I will go through. And he talks about a cup of suffering. This image, this metaphor is used often in scripture as drinking from it in relates to either suffering or wrath. One thing this shows is the humanity of Jesus. It wasn't an easy thing. Though he was God, he was still human. And he asked if there were another way. But he understood, even in the asking, that there was not. This was God's plan for him. And after that, in verse 2, enter the betrayer. Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. It inter it's interesting that Jesus knew, or that Judas knew where Jesus was going to be. Just a short time ago, he's dismissed from the room because Jesus identified him as the betrayer and he left. And yet, when he went to find Jesus, he knew where he would be in the quiet place at the end of the day. And it got me to thinking, do we have personal 
spiritual practices that if someone were watching, they would see. That if a certain time of day or in the midst of a situation, they would know where to look, where to find us. I remember growing up that in the morning, it was often my mom on the couch in the living room reading the Bible. I remember specifically every Saturday night, my dad sitting at the kitchen table with his Bible, writing out his check for the Sunday morning offering. He's preparing his heart. It's an image that still stays with me. But Judas knew where to look. He knew where Jesus would be. And he arrives with betrayal on his mind. So we find that this peaceful garden is suddenly shattered by the sound of approaching trouble. Torches, clubs, swords. They're prepared for the worst. This gathering of military guards. And maybe they're even hoping for a fight. Roman soldiers combined with temple guards. John says there's a detachment of them. Which, if taken literally, could be as many as 200. Possibly more. They meant business. They were prepared for a fight. But it's interesting that they weren't going to get one from Jesus. So how many soldiers, how many people does it take to arrest Jesus? Well, unless he's willing to give himself up, a whole army wouldn't be enough. And verse 4, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them. So he didn't stay hiding behind a tree in the garden somewhere. No, he realized that they were on their way and, and he stepped out. And he asked them, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, and his response, check this out, I am he. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Just at the mention of his name, they fall to the ground. Why would soldiers, prepared for battle, equipped for a fight, fall to the ground at the mention of the name of Jesus. Because, quite simply, it's the name of Jesus. I am. We've heard this before. And I find it very intriguing that at this moment, it's, a, it's as if Jesus allowed a part of his deity to be exposed. And I'm reminded of Philippians Chapter 2, verse 10, that says, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. They all fell down. It's an incredible reminder to us that Jesus is saying, You were not taking me. I am giving myself to you. 
You do not have the power, the authority, or the means to take me. But I willingly give myself to you because this is the Father's will. Now, Peter, on the other hand, he, he's not going to go down without a fight. It says that he grabs a sword, pulls it out, and he swings it at the closest person there. Now, this is definitely, it's an attempt to save Jesus, his friend. We know Peter isn't about to back down from a fight. And he manages to, to cut off, to slice off the, the ear of a servant who's standing nearby. And yet, with Peter's swing of the sword, it could have started a bloodbath. The first shot fired, so to speak. But Jesus steps in, and in verse 10, verse 11, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink from the cup the Father has given me? Isn't this incredible? Jesus is about to be arrested. And in the midst of this mistreatment, Jesus shows compassion. It's his first thought, his first response. And then Jesus is is bound and, and led down to be accused and charged of these horrendous crimes that have been made up against him. And while he's hauled down, Jesus told the guards, the soldiers, this small army, that here I am, take me, but allow my friends to go. Well, most of them did, except for two. We know one is Peter, and it appears the other one possibly is John. And they head down to the area of the city where Jesus is held and begin to be questioned on the outskirts of the palace. And initially, Peter isn't able to enter. It's a, it's a closed courtyard. Um, but he gains entry. And somebody says, hey, um, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? No. <laughs> You're mistaken. It must be the light. You, you, you're probably thinking that I, I'm somebody else. Okay. And he's standing around the fire, warming himself. John says it's a charcoal fire. And in this mixture of people is, is servants of the palace, but there's also guards there as well. So I'm sure Peter is quite... His awareness is, is quite heightened as, as the situation. But then he's asked again, hey, aren't you one of them? He goes, no, you're mistaken, it's not me. And then a little bit more time goes by. And then Peter has that moment that he could possibly regret for the rest of his life. And I wonder if you've had a moment like that. Maybe the words you said or maybe the ones you didn't say when you should have. Maybe what you did or what you didn't do. And in that, in that moment, we realize and we fall deeply 
into the dungeon of regret. And we can replay it over and over in our mind. It can be a, a downward pivot point in our life. And what makes it especially bad is if that you promised that you wouldn't do such a thing or say such a thing. Where do you go after such a significant stumble? A regret that is almost life-defining. And we wonder how, how could we ever recover from this? See, the next question Peter was asked, as actually it wasn't so much an, of a question, it was an accusation. Someone, or an observation, someone in the crowd said to Peter, hey, aren't you the guy, you're the guy that cut off my cousin's ear out in the garden? That's you. And the moment Peter denied his relationship with Jesus is the moment it says the rooster crowed. Now, whether it was an actual rooster that was, was strutting around the side of the courtyard or if it was just the official change of the watch, which was known as the time the rooster crowed when the guard was changed, but at that moment it sounded. And Peter realized with huge regret what he had done. Don't let a mistake define you who you are. See, what are the things we know about Peter up to this point? His name means rock. Jesus gave him, Jesus changed his name, meaning that he would be a rock of faith. He was part of the inner circle with James and John. He was one of the ones with enough faith to jump out of the boat and actually took a few steps on the water when called by Jesus. He was the one who just minutes ago in the garden was Jesus surrounded by this army, this detachment of soldiers with swords. He was the one that jumped up and swung his sword first to protect Jesus. And yet, he is the one that denied Jesus three times. And we read that he leaves in anguish, weeping bitterly. But before we get down too hard on Peter, he was one of the only disciples that followed Jesus to this point, standing amongst a group of palace guards. How, how far do we go to follow Jesus? Does our faith take us into an uncomfortable place? where people don't believe the way we believe, do not have a faith in Jesus. What is it that we fear? You know, how does our faith perform on the big stage with lots of people watching? But I think it's just as important, maybe more. How does our faith perform on a small stage? across the backyard fence with our neighbor, working shoulder to shoulder with a coworker. 
And yet, if you haven't heard a lot about the Bible, but you know a few of the characters, the name Peter probably rings a few things to your minds. He was the one who tried walking on the water, but sank after a few steps. He denied Jesus three times. But what happened to Peter after that night that I'm sure he would have liked to have forgotten? We're told that Peter is the one who was sent out with the unfailing message of the love of Jesus that gives eternal life. He is no longer influenced by fear, but he's influenced by the power of the Spirit that Jesus gives to those who believe in him. He is known in Galatians chapter 2.9 as a pillar of the church. Yeah, did he stumble? Yeah. Do we? Oh, hard sometimes. But Jesus is there. Do not let a misstep, a regret, define your life. And during this time, Jesus is shuffled back and forth from high-ranking religious leaders to government officials, questioned, accused, and he's asked, are you really the king of the Jews? In verse 33, and Jesus responds in verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. See, the kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who are willing to submit to God's authority. Those who refuse to submit, who defy God's authority, are not part of the kingdom of God. But in contrast, those who acknowledge the lordship of Christ and gladly surrender to God's rule in their hearts are part of the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God, Jesus' kingdom, is God's reign in our lives, his sovereign action in the world to redeem and deliver people. John Calvin put it this way. He said, it is the task of the church to make the invisible kingdom visible. We do that by living in such a way that we bear witness to the reality of the kingship of Christ in our jobs, our families, our schools, and even, he says, in our checkbooks. Because God in Christ is king over every one of these spheres of our life. The only way the kingdom of God is going to be manifest in this world before Christ comes is if we, those who believe, if we manifest it by the way we live as citizens of heaven, citizens of this other kingdom, and subject ourselves to its king. And then Pilate asks in verse 37, so you are a king then? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. You know, interesting, this is the only reference to the birth of Jesus in the book of John. And he speaks about the truth. You know, everyone can't have their own truth. It's not good enough that it's just truth to you. There needs to be a source there needs to be a place where truth comes from, 
And Jesus says, it is found in me. And Pilate says, well, what is the truth? I urge you, don't be like Pilate and walk away from the truth as he did. He didn't recognize the truth even though it was right in front of him. And Jesus says, the truth of who I am is the Son of God. I came to teach about the kingdom of God, to live and to die, to take your sin, to be raised again so you may live. In this glorious new life, the kingdom of God, and the power that I give you, that is the truth. As we continue seeking the truth, I ask that you would honestly pray that God would reveal the truth to you of his love, of his word, of his being, and the work of Jesus Christ. And you can ask a friend, or you can ask us here at the church. We would love to talk to you and explore more about the truth of who Jesus is and the difference that makes in our life. As we continue to do that, let's pray. Our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. God, who we are discovering that all he did, he did for us. God, as we see the truth revealed to us, may we understand, may we learn, may we live the truth in our lives. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ and what he has done and continues to do. God, we pray that you continue to fill us with this understanding and the power of Jesus Christ, his life within us every day. God, be that blessing, be our comfort, our rock, um, each day. Thank you for this time together, for your word, and may we go forward in the truth of who you are um, each day. Amen. If you hang around just for a moment, we're going to talk just a little bit more about, um, give you an opportunity to discuss together just the truth of who Jesus is and what that means to you. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us, everyone, this morning so far. And it, like we mentioned in the intro, too, we don't want it to stop with just hearing a message, and that's fine. You can go about your day. It's actually a thing that we want to be able to, like, take what is been in the message, in the kids' lesson, what we're praying about, uh, what you encountered during the time of worship, and kind of dialogue through it, uh, find a way to apply it to our lives immediately this week coming up, uh, the next month, this next year. And uh, there might be some things that you've pulled right out of the message. There's some questions you asked throughout yeah. the message as well. Uh, but even I think we have some, uh, you've got a question just to help guide us through this. And you can kind of go yeah. wherever you want with this. But uh, what were you thinking? Right. Well, right towards the end of that chapter, Jesus says, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. And he says, <clears throat> I was born to bring the truth. And so I think it would be good for us to think, you know, what is the truth of Jesus in our life? Um, how has Jesus presented himself? And even as Peter, I mean, we know that Peter, well, he failed. And yet Jesus didn't leave him there. Um, in his regret, in his remorse, 
Um, if we keep on reading, it's not the end of the story. Um, we find that Jesus continued to build him up and Peter became a pillar of the church, hmm. of the new church. So I was kind of thinking for us to dwell on, um, where has Jesus met us maybe in that moment of regret, of sorrow, but also um, how have we seen the truth of who he is in hmm. our life? How has he changed our our worldview maybe even mm. about because of the truth of who Jesus is. Right. Um, well, yeah. How, how I, I, it, it's a little complex. Sure. But, <laughs> well, but I think it, it makes sense to really think on that exact example of, of Peter that uh, the way Jesus interacts with us, the way he showed God's love and grace to us was really completely contrary to what the world thinks is fair or just or forgiving even what was considered forgiving right. where stuff like uh, being completely sold out or essentially like lying to Jesus's face and saying like there's no I will never defend you right but then you turn around right away and, and that I mean that happens regularly in my life I think the times I see that the most at play when other people can see Jesus through my own life is when you make that bold move I mean, Peter drew a sword that wasn't the right way to do it when you make that bold move of <laughs> is somebody trespasses or right. makes a yeah. mess on your yeah. yard or your, your neighbor does something right. stupid that bothers you knock whatever it is knocks yeah. on the fence yeah. or somebody who's annoying yeah. they have a loud car yeah. right beside you and yeah. the normal response would be phone up bylaw right uh -huh. the normal uh -huh. response would be uh -huh. like hey can you put a muffler on that thing the normal response would be whatever make it fair make it even yeah. because if you're being a good neighbor but the Jesus response is actually like the, the not normal, right? Yeah, how can I now make a loving connection to this yeah. person? What can I do that is ridiculous? We have teenagers that come out right. here to the church mm -hmm. parking lot and right. sometimes they do teenagery kind right. of things that's ridiculous. And yeah. what can be an amazing Jesus response is, you guys want coffee? It's raining right. tonight. Yeah. Like, I bet you're kind of cold. And it blows people's minds and they start to connect with like, wow, there's something different about the way God loves us. And that's just the start. And you can start speaking Jesus into those moments. Yeah. 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 I, I think too that once we begin to understand the truth of who Jesus is and what he came to do, it it changes how we see people. Yeah. Right? And really what he is calling us to do. And that's an incredible thing. It's not always an easy thing. No, it's not. It's, it's actually, I think as soon as it's easy, you have to start guessing if you're actually doing it right or not. Because I think that every single time I've tried to do the more Jesus led way, it's an intentional choice ab above what would be the comfortable yeah. choice. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so maybe that's kind of a, a, a good follow-up question here is, you know, something that you have felt doing it hmm. the Jesus way, even though it's been more difficult, maybe what has it brought about? Yeah. Um, what's been the reaction right. of those around you? Yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. So that's, uh, I, I can't think of anything around the right. top of my head yeah. for, but, but for, for that. But for people to talk about, yeah. That's, that's a good uh, one. Yeah. yeah. You know, I yeah. think that's some really good dialogue. That Exactly consider that. That's yeah. perfect. We'll throw that up on the screen mm -hmm. so you can chat about that. Continue that in your small groups, phone up a friend, uh, do a Zoom call with your small group yeah. or family, yeah. whatever it is, or maybe next week for plan on some deck church or meeting there or yeah. sign up for our in-person online service. So. We'll see you next week, Cedar Valley. Yeah, we will see you next week and very soon in person. We're looking forward to that.